Tonight is the first lesson of the year, right? I mean, last week was our first real week, but that was a testimony. And so we're getting started, right? And, you know, for relative newcomers, um, sometimes it's hard. If we start CR, we start coming to large group in the middle of the year, and, you know, we might be on step five or something, and you're going, you know, I, I really like that, but I'm really not sure where I'm supposed to be. It's hard because you want to start at the start, and the beginning of the year is the exact time we're going to do that. So tonight is our very first lesson, but the thing is, for all of us, especially those of us that have been in recovery for a while, we want to make sure we're committing this year to healing. It's not a New Year's resolution. We're not resolving to do anything, right? It is about us setting aside ourselves to come under the grace that is Jesus Christ to work on our recovery, and we've got to be vigilant. So when we look at the, tonight's lesson, we've got to remember the reason we keep going over this is because we don't got it. God does, all right? So lesson one tonight, denial. It's not just the longest river in Egypt. I know, it's old. It's corny. But I heard a great corny joke today, just this evening. I've got to give a shout-out to Cody. Because he, he told me a new joke tonight that I have never heard. And here it goes. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because! So there you go. You know, hey, this, this is what it is. You're, you're, here with, you're here with Mr. Cornball. All right. So in our first lesson, we, we just read our principles and our steps. And one of the things it says is that I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. And in the step one, it says more or less the same thing, that we were powerless and that our lives had become unmanageable. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate those words. I do not like anybody to tell me that I'm unmanageable or that I'm powerless. Those are not particularly nice words to hear. I do not like them. And they kind of make me tense up, right? Um, but tonight, that is exactly what we're going to be looking at, right? That discomfort that it causes and the places where we need to embrace that discomfort. So what is denial? Well, there's a couple of, there's a couple of definitions. One of them is to declare something to be untrue, right? So if somebody said, you got up on the right side of the bed this morning, and you're like, no, actually, I got up on the left. Okay, that could be completely right. But what, in the context of what we're doing is we're looking at the second one, right? This failure to acknowledge an unacceptable truth or emotion, or to refuse to acknowledge or to admit it into consciousness, right? That is, this is what we're talking about. In our minds, sometimes these things we've decided are unacceptable, right? What is that unacceptable truth or emotion? Now, I don't know how many of you here know who Adam Savage is, but he was a famous guy on TV, and one of the things that I loved him saying, he said, I reject your reality and I substitute my own. And that is exactly what we do with denial, okay? Now, we'll get back to that. But I want to look at denial in the Bible tonight, and I want to see, show you how it plays out, at least in this one instance. And I hope that looking at denial this way, um, it's going to help us take it a little more seriously and embrace the struggle that it is. So let's look at the origin. We're going to look at Genesis 3, verses 1 through 13. And 
I would imagine most, if not all of you, are familiar with this story. But what I'm trying to point out here is the denial portion that is happening in this story. So let's read this together. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Well, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. Oh, die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Well, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, who was there with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he replied, Well, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. (laughs) Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. All right. Now, hopefully you picked up on some of the verbal cues I was giving you about where the denial is. Did you see it? Have you seen it before? See... God asks Adam if he ate from the tree. And what was Adam's response? She did it. Oh, I love that. She did it. I like that. It was the woman. See, he didn't admit anything. There's no part of that that says, yes, but, right? He just was like, mm -mm, no, not this guy. He blamed the woman. And did you also pick up that he blamed God? See, he, he blamed the woman, and he, he, said, he said, it's this girl that you gave me. See, he's putting it on God. He's like, listen, I'm just doing the thing that you put in front of me. I wouldn't have done nothing if you didn't make it available. If you didn't give me this girl, I wouldn't have done it. All right. <clears throat> and so God asked Eve, and what was her response? Uh, it's the serpent. It's his fault. He deceived me. She completely evaded the question by deflecting completely onto the the serpent and his defective words. But what was the truth? See, back in verse 6, it says, she was convinced. Now, no shade to the woman here, right? Adam was right there. It said it. He was with her, right? So they're together. It says she was convinced. I think they both were convinced because Adam was right there, and if he wasn't convinced— he would have an opportunity to say something, right? He could have said, hey, let's have this discussion. I'm not sure that this is right. 
But he didn't. He completely avoided that conversation, right? He evaded. He let things happen. And I think that's really what we're boiling down to what denial can do. See, it tends to lead us to blame others. Oh, there we go. Evade hard truth and conversations and deflect to other situations and actions. See, I think this is really what the first lie ever told was. I mean, I know sometimes we think the serpent was lying, right? But he was really twisting God's words. He was deceiving. And so it's a form of lying. But Adam and Eve just straight up said, that's not my fault. I didn't do it. What you're trying to pin on me, I reject. Don't let this first lie become your lie. I think it's an easy lie to get trapped in. See, denial sneaks up on us. I mean, I don't think anybody gets out of bed in the morning and goes, I think I'm going to live in denial today. I'm just going to reject any truth that comes at me. Anybody throws truth at me, boom. I mean, I wouldn't put that on you. I wouldn't put that on me. But why is it that we do deny things? Well, sometimes I think that there are honest blind spots, right? And for an honest blind spot, we're not talking about that tonight. Because we're talking about things that we receive from the outside that we reject even though we know that there's shreds of truth in it. See, others say to us, can't you see that when you do this or you respond this way or you react this way, these things happen? Do you not see that these are the, the effects that go on? And so, what's my first response? What's maybe your first response? I don't know. Um, I want to explain. Well, let me explain this to you. Let me explain that to you. You know, in this situation, there's this little nuance that you're missing. You know, over here, there's this little difference. And I, ex I especially tend to be very resistive of two words, always and never. Anybody here relate to that? Because if somebody says, you always this or you never this, I'm like, whoa, really? Let me see if I can nitpick that word for you, right? Let me point out this, oh, we're not always, because there was this one time. I'll tell on myself here a little bit. Um, I share as my struggles, I struggle with anger, and that is true. Um, although I don't struggle with anger nearly like I did, let's say, 10 years ago. Um, but there were times in my marriage where my wife would say things like, you always yell. You are never kind in your voice. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, well, I mean, not never. I mean, I'm kind. If it's just you and me and the kids are already in bed and we're just watching TV, I, I can speak calmly. That's not never. And I don't always yell. I mean, I can think back maybe to like, I don't know, 2001. I don't think I yelled. But that really dismisses the whole point, right? Because the point is really this. If I step back and be honest, she's saying, I see you commonly responding in this way to this situation. Now, what does that actually sound like? That's a habit, right? It's the way I do things. It's the way you may do things in different 
places in your life. See, the outside world is telling me things. It's telling you things. And sometimes those messages are from people we love, and other times they're from people that are like authorities, like the boss or the police. And when we hear and experience those things, those can be painful. They can hurt us. We've heard many times the truth hurts. But we respond. Most of us in our minds, we want to do good things. We want to do the right things. Our front brain says, I want to do what Jesus would have me do. But in reality, my response often isn't that. And it ends up leading to habits and hang-ups that many of us are here right now to deal with. You know, my denial rejects what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing by saying things like, I don't trust the source. I'm not sure I trust trust you. I'm not sure that you are being honest with me. I don't know if you're doing this to manipulate me. Maybe there is some other thing. You have an ulterior motive, so I don't trust the source of this information. Or, you know what? You don't understand. I have the most understanding of the situation. I know what's really going on. I understand more than you understand. Or, I'm the one with all the information. I'm the one that's experiencing it. You're not experiencing what I'm experiencing. I have the information. And I think my feelings are reasonable. Because I don't think anybody here walks around thinking they're unreasonable. Right? You ever walked around going, you know, you really shouldn't pay any attention to me. I'm completely unreasonable today. (laughs) See, this doesn't happen. Because in our own minds, we think we're reasonable. Now, what does all this stuff have into common? Anybody see it? I. Wow, what self-confidence, right? Sounds like pride to me. My pride gets in the way of my healing and my learning the truth a lot. And people all through the Bible thought that they had all the power. They thought they were in control. They saw things through their own eyes. One example is Daniel 4. I'm going to quickly gloss over this, but back in the day, the Israelites were captured by the Babylonians, and they had a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel served Nebuchadnezzar, and he ends up telling him this at one point. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper, because he was very prosperous right? But the, the prophets were told, like, hey, God's going to come after you if you don't straighten up. Twelve months later, he, King Nebuchadnezzar, was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon, and as he looked out across the city, he said, ah, oh, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. And while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. Now, he had immediate consequences for that. His pride got him in trouble, and he took it in the teeth right then. A lot of times, though, for me and you, my pride gets to beat me up for a long time before 
I can really recognize what it is, right? This is my, usually my pride does not come and take my knees out right when I'm prideful. That said, pride's real. Because when we start saying things like, I can do this, I got this, oh, that, I can stop that, I can stop that, you know, I can control this, I can decide whatever I want. What we're really doing is we're directly denying what God's Word is telling us, and that is we can't, because if we could, we wouldn't need a Savior. And we know that we need a Savior. We know that we need power from outside of ourselves. Sometimes we're confronted with this pattern, right? We deny it to be true. We, we blame, evade, or deflect until we're forced to lie down in this bed that we've been making. And it's an uncomfortable bed. When pride comes and somebody takes your knees out, and you're in the middle of it, this bed we've made is very, very uncomfortable. So when I hear externally that I'm unreasonable and I tend to reject this or that and I'm minimizing what's been revealed, denial is that direct rejection of this feedback, right, of what I'm getting. See, the world and my friends and my family and my situations, they're telling me things. And it's a lie that I tell myself so I don't actually have to confront the difficulty of change. See, I want to think that I can. I want that. I want to think that I'm good enough, that I, maybe I can be the person to figure this out. Maybe I'm strong enough or smart enough or whatever it is to solve the riddle so that this can be fixed because I want to get the glory. I want to stand on my rooftop and say, look at what I've done. Look at all this that I've accomplished. But Jeremiah 6.14 says, you cannot heal a wound by claiming it's not there. So why do we do that? Well, I think it's because it's hard to change. And we have to admit that it's not going to be overnight. And we have to also admit that I have an active part in the screw-up, that these are not accidents, these are not things that, have, that are not my fault. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not accusing people here. There are things in each of our lives that are not our fault, right? But if we're honest, there's a whole lot of me that's screwed up because there's a whole lot of me that screwed it up, okay? And denial is attempting to reject that responsibility, and it wants to reject the guilt and shame that comes along with that. Because if I say I did it, I'm going to have to feel a little guilt, and I'm going to have to feel a little shame, and I don't want either of those. But you know what stepping out of denial does? It allows room for Jesus to take our guilt and shame. See, that guilt and shame are too heavy a burden for us to carry. When I get input that makes me feel bad, I don't want that. And if I accept it, it's going to be yucky, and I don't want that. And God agrees. He's like, absolutely. You're right. It is too much for you, but it's not too much for him. See, you're powerless to carry it, and I'm powerless to carry it, but we have a Savior that is capable of carrying it. He can bring the freedom 
It comes from stepping out of denial by recognizing my powerlessness. These are some phrases we can see. Um, oh, I didn't have a slide. Don't, don't jump up there. Sorry. These are my notes. Apologize. We see denial in, dis- in responses like, I didn't, they did, you misunderstood, but my intention was, or one of my favorite, I'm just, I'm just this, I'm just that. Or, you know, this would be better if you would just da-da-da-da-da. Right? My life would be better if you would just this. See, denial tells you that it's protecting you. It wants to protect you from having to deal with more of this stuff. And it convinces you and I that we're in control because it provides these answers, right? I have an answer. My answer is it's your problem. My answer is it's someone else's problem. My answer is it's this situation that you don't fully understand that I do, right? See, denial is this special cage of lies that filters out truth and it prevents me and you from changing into who God really wants us to be. It actually prevents growth, and it holds me hostage to my old ways. Denial cages the truth. So it's natural. It's normal. I mean, it started back with Adam and Eve for us to resist this whole idea of shining light on the parts of us that need to change. That is, it's, it's as common, it's old as time, right? But true freedom is experienced by stepping out of this denial. Seeing that the cage is not locked. You don't have to stay. The key to stepping out is to embrace that we need Holy Spirit's power. When we recognize that we need God to get it done, we can walk right out of that cage. So I want you to do something for me. I want to set your pride aside. And it's not easy, but you can do it with Christ's help. I want you to stop saying, I can, and I want you to admit, I can't. Proverbs 3.34 says, The Lord opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Did you read that? God resists. He opposes the proud. He's in your face. He's going to make it harder and harder over time for you to ignore the truth. And it should feel sometimes impossible because he wants us to rely only on his power. It's when we take our stuff to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, it's got to be you. I can't do this. This is outside of me that he comes and rescues us. And the way that he does that is right here. Romans 2, or excuse me, 12, 2a. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. This is the key. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, the way I think is denial. That's my natural way of thinking. I see this, I want to reject it. I see this, I want to deflect it. But God can change the way I think from the inside out by the power of Holy Spirit. That is what I'm looking for. That's what we pray for, that changing of our mind, that changing of our thinking. Matthew 19, 26 says, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. So all these things that we go, I can't take responsibility for that. That is too much. I can't, I can't give this up. I can't, I can't admit that I can't control this. I can't admit that. Yeah, you can. 
with God, because you're right. Alone, that's too big a burden. One last one, Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything, and this is bolded for a reason, through Christ who gives me strength, because I'm not strong enough, but he is strong enough. So again, I just want you to encourage you to uh, set your pride aside. It's possible. It's possible. I want the band and stuff to come up now. Um, we're moving into our time of invitation with our blue chips. And I don't know if God's worked on you tonight. I don't know if what I brought kicked you in the teeth or put you to sleep. But if you recognize that some of the things I talked about tonight, like struggle with blaming others, or not accepting responsibility, or evading situations or conversations, are you trying to deflect and say, no, I want to nitpick this little situation? If you struggle with saying, I can all the time, I can do this. I, I promise I can do this. I just need another chance. I can do this. If you're willing to set that aside tonight, come take a blue chip. If there's something for you to surrender, to say, God, I can't anymore. This is not something I can keep up. This is not a conversation I can keep having in my own power. I have not been relying on you like I should. Come take a blue chip tonight. It's a time for us to respond to Jesus and what he's calling us to do.